0: Welcome to the Birth Nurses Podcast. I'm Shana Brickner from PreParented, and I'm joined by my co-host, Liz Baker-Wade from Birth and Beyond in Santa Monica. And we are the birth nurses. In this podcast, we're going to talk about birth, babies, breastfeeding, nursing practice, and more from our perspective as nurses in the hospital world. From two women who have been on both sides of the birthing bed, we've got some things to talk about that will enhance your understanding of birth. Whether you're a newly pregnant first-time parent, or expecting your second baby and you want a better experience this time around, this podcast is for you. Join me and my co-host and special guests as we discuss birth from the womb to the room.
1: Hi, this is Liz. Um, I'm here with the birth nurses. This is our podcast, and we are continuing our conversation with N- Nicole Barkaderi who is a psychotherapist uh, focusing on couples. She is a sex therapist, a sex coach. Um, We are talking specifically about relationships. Our first podcast with Nicole, we focused on understanding the relationship and sort of unpacking what it is to mean parents before people even conceive. And on this episode, we're going to talk about After the baby, Mm -hmm. what happens when we get home and all those things that we thought we had it all nice and neat and ready to roll falls apart. The exhaustion and the fear sets in. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Shana. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me again. (laughs) This is so great. I loved it. I loved it. So tell us, What are we talking about when we're talking about postpartum changes and the baby blues and mood disorders?
2: What is all of this? What's going on? So everything we talked about in the first episode, all the prep work that you can do, I will tell you from experience that as much prep work as you could do, it could all change. (laughs) Every baby, every birth experience (laughs) is so unique which I think is a beautiful thing that I've experienced is how unique even from day one, our kiddos can be in terms of their personalities and their interaction with the world. Um, so number one, in Absolutely. terms of postpartum changes and expectations is Try not to expect too much in terms of preparations and be willing to adapt with your partner. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I talk to people in birth class about this all the time. It's like, whatever your bar is, drop it down. (laughs) Including hair,
2: clothing, (laughs) showers. That way, too, you might be pleasantly surprised, right? You might be surprised. Yeah. Uh, You might have an easy baby, but you never know. So be ready for anything. Put your helmets on. <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: Right. So what yeah. happens if somebody comes to you and they suspect they may have postpartum depression or a mood disorder?
2: Hmm. So it kind of depends on the timing in which they're coming to me. But mm. either way, I discuss the differences between just what we call sometimes the baby blues versus postpartum mood disorders, right? right? Yeah, absolutely. Many, like, I think the statistics are 80% of mamas experience what we call the baby blues, which right. is the first couple weeks. Obviously, you're exhausted, right? You might be more irritable. Um, you might be more emotional. The- hormones are changing. Yeah, yeah. the
1: hormonal uh, roller coaster.
2: Yes, hormonal roller coaster. <laughs> that is so normal, so normal. And for both partners to know that that's normal and that doesn't automatically mean, oh no, I have postpartum depression, right? With right. the baby blues, daddies mm-hmm. can have baby blues too. Right, as much as they prepared, yeah. um, this is a whole different role they're in now. As not only a father, but the role with mm-hmm. um, their spouse is different, and the way in which they have to support them is different. They might have never seen their wife go through these different roller coaster of hormones, and while they think, "Oh, I've got this," it's like, "Oh, I don't got this." Like she's crying every, you know, hour, or so I don't got this anymore, and that's okay. It's okay. We just have to talk about that and be willing to talk about that.
1: I'm very mm-hmm. interested to talk a little bit about how you, when you identify that you have gone beyond mm-hmm. some baby blues and might be going down the rabbit hole yeah. of postpartum depression.
2: Yeah. So if we're past like the one, two, three week mark and mamas mm-hmm. are still finding that they're not only exhausted, but they don't really care too much or really are struggling with taking care of themselves at all, finding a hard time or challenge in connecting with baby, um, really low mood, kind of flat affect, not too much of a range of emotions, that's when we start to evaluate, okay, do we need to get you some extra support? And it's so important to know there's no shame in that. I mean, that's not something we can control. Right. There's not like you can't exercise yeah. and work out and prep and get the muscles ready to avoid postpartum depression. Right. It's a fluctuation mm-hmm. of hormones. Sometimes it's genetic history. If you struggle with depression at all in the past, um, there's so many, so, so many things that um, can play into that. So there's no shame in it. It's just about speaking up so you can get that support. Letting your spouse know, talking to your doctor, going and seeing a therapist so you can get that support.
1: I will tell you that, um, I don't know if either of you experienced this. I did not see this coming. Mm -hmm. I was not prepared for it. And I experienced the deepest, darkest, scariest Mm -hmm. postpartum depression that started about three weeks after my son was born and lasted till about 12 and a half weeks. Mm -hmm. Now, it sort of followed the same pattern as my severe morning sickness. And when I say severe, I mean one of those people who was sick 24-7 and um, lost 15 pounds in my first trimester. I think it was the only time somebody Mm -hmm. said, you need to start gaining weight. (laughs) And um, so for me, I think it was very hormonally driven because Mm -hmm. just as in my morning sickness situation, at about 13 weeks, it literally, I woke up one morning after still breastfeeding through the night, my son fed very frequently, Mm -hmm. cluster, cluster feeding. And I could feel that there was, you know, a shift. Yes, I took a breath and I kind of looked around me and went, I don't feel like in despair. But for that first three months, I cried hours and hours of uncontrollable crying and fear. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't put... My finger on what I was afraid of. Mm-hmm. So fatigue and the hormonal thing for me was crazy. Right. And then it was over. But I know for some women, they can't identify what is happening. Their partners aren't identifying it either. And so sometimes we want to put the message out that it, it's going to be family and friends
2: mm-hmm. who
1: need to step in and say, look, she's in trouble. Right. Right. So how do family and friends broach broach the subject to a partner that mom's in trouble?
2: Yeah, so you're right. Sometimes our partners don't see it, and many of the times mamas don't, right? They are so afraid of even admitting it because does that mean I'm not a Mm. good mom if I'm afraid that I don't know how to take care of my kid or I'm afraid that, you know, I I don't even maybe want to wake up the next day, right, because life is tough. So they're afraid to admit that because they're not sure what happens then. And partners also become very overwhelmed. So you're right. Family and friends, if they're around, become a great source of support and saying, hey, like this doesn't have to be this way. We can get you support, but this is okay. Right? This is okay. Sometimes it's medication if we need it. Sometimes it's just talking to someone and realizing that those fears will pass. Right? But there's a whole... Would you recommend? Step in. You recommend family and friends if they
1: notice. Feel free to, yeah, you know, to sit
2: down. It. The only thing I would say is it can depend on the relationship sometimes, oh, right? Yeah. So yeah. let's say you have a mother-in-law that you're not not particularly close with, or that you struggle in terms of that dynamic. If mom-in-law mm-hmm. comes and says, "Oh, I have postpartum depression. You do too. You should go see someone." Mm-hmm. That's probably not going <laughs> to be received too well, right? Right, but if mom right. in law yeah. can go yeah. to dad and say, Hey, like you know, I see some signs in your wife that maybe I struggled with, maybe this is something you might want to bring up to her. Um, he that that could be a better avenue, right? It's yeah. hard, it's hard because typically, family does have the best intentions, but depending mm-hmm. on dynamic, it doesn't always come across the right way.
1: I think, also, if I may, yeah, I think that. When friends, or in my case, my sisters, Mm -hmm. they Mm were around all of the time, don't expect it from you. They don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They just don't Mm -hmm. see it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you cry all day long and you're just a blank stare and people don't see it because that's not your normal. Mm -hmm. That's not your baseline. Right. So I... I think paying close attention to your friends and your friends' kids and looking at them and having conversation with them and asking
2: questions Mm -hmm. right out. How are you feeling? Right. Sometimes people just don't ask. Yeah. People don't ask. People also, I think, want to help, but they go into fix-it mode, so they try to pick up the pieces um, but they kind of dance around it like it's the elephant in the room, right? It's like- <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it is asking questions. It's following through too. I know a big one um, that I talked to a lot of my friends about was, yeah, our friends and family will reach out like, hey, let me know if you need anything, right? But when you're a mom mm-hmm. or dad in the trenches, it's like, I don't even have time to let you know if I need anything, but just showing up with some food, just showing up with, hey- You're going out, you're taking a shower, you're taking a nap. I've got the baby for two hours. I think that's what we need more of. And again, I I talked about in the first episode, like having that tribe of people. But if you've been there, being that tribe for someone else, right? Knowing that just showing up goes a long way. I want to throw a little wrench in the mix of,
0: I think that our system is broken Mm -hmm. too, where like our first postpartum (laughs) checkup is at six weeks postpartum Mm -hmm. or maybe eight weeks if you delay it and maybe you have a lactation consultant check in on you if you've reached out on your own volition um but otherwise you're kind of on Mm -hmm. your own for a while yeah there until you go to your six-week appointment and then Mm -hmm. you take the edinburgh depression scale test thing um and I guess, well, I guess there are some more checkups when you go to your baby's pediatrician appointments. But it's few and far between. It's not a regular
2: thing. Yeah, so. I see doctors too and this is just yeah. from my own experience that um and with friends and stuff that the pediatricians don't ask. Um they kind of focus on their lane, right? But I wish sure. I wish they would check in a little bit more and then I mean I don't know if I just didn't present I didn't I didn't struggle with postpartum but no one gave me the Edinburgh or no one even asked right. um I think that one, even if mamas don't seem to be struggling, should be something that just is across the board, something that's done. Um, Just because there are so many moms who are aware of postpartum or afraid of the stigma and try to, again, come off as super mom, like, yeah, I've got it all together. I'm good. Like, everything's good. And then they go home and break down. right? But they don't want to, whether it's on social media or with their friends and family, they don't want it to look like they don't have it all together. Yeah. Right? Because it's so easy to compare. My friends have it all together. This is something I have to, like, I can do this. Like, they have five kids. This is just my first. This should be easy. This should be okay. Right. Right? Yeah. I always, I say it's interesting yeah. how one small infant can take
1: down four adults. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's formidable. It's <laughs> like, how can you be this tired? Yeah. And why are you still wearing that t-shirt? And a pair of sweatpants. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. I'm like, I have no answer for this whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's astonishing that I can't seem to do anything <laughs> but breastfeed and stare into space. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when yeah. you're somebody, you know, yeah. that feels like you're productive. Um, you talked about relationship changes, and in our first um, talk with you, and I wanted to talk a little bit more about the love maps and you know, your feelings about kids and love maps. That was really interesting to me when I was reading about your bio. Talk
2: a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So as I mentioned in the first podcast, I mean, we have to stay curious, right? Because obviously there are so many changes postpartum in terms of our love maps with our partners and ourselves. Um, You know, we change our goals, we change our roles, we change our dreams. So much changes. Um, but then too, our kids have love maps. And like I mentioned before, they have, you know, their sweet personalities are so unique from day one. And I didn't believe it until it happened to me. Like, I didn't believe that just the way the delivery goes. And then those first couple of nights, like you could see very distinct differences in how the kiddos interacted with the world, right? So in terms of being in the trenches together, this could be something fun to focus on is how can we create a love map for our kids? How can we stay curious about them together as a couple and their changes, right? And not in a negative light where it's like, oh, I only got, they only slept four hours tonight, even though that's pretty good, actually. They only slept (laughs) two hours. Wait a minute, four hours. hours, (laughs) Are you kidding? For some, some that's pretty good. Um, But they only slept this much. Oh no, how are we going to get through this? It's reframing right we all have a negativity bias it's easy to see all the negatives right mm-hmm. but we don't like we don't want to associate our kiddos in those first weeks months years with all the negative things right and we do we i know we focus on the milestones but those love maps in terms of how they're growing in a positive way how they're changing and working with our partners to identify those things and get excited about those things that can really take some of the stress off and make make those early weeks fun and exciting. Oh, I love that. Just kind of
1: reframing
2: yeah. the whole
1: thing or as much as you can sort of hour by hour on what's happening mm-hmm. with them. I know we've all held up a screaming baby and just said, "I don't know what else you need." <laughs> mm-hmm. Just say something, you know, throw yeah. me a sign. Yep. Um, and I okay. guess instead of feeling wrecked about it, sometimes I guess we just have to sit with them and let them Cry it out yeah. and, hope, yeah,
2: and hold on.
1: And hopefully we can figure something out.
2: Yeah. And it's important to know, like, mm-hmm. we don't have to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. We, we think we do to be good parents, but gosh, nobody does. Right. And if you're sitting there crying and can't get the baby to stop crying, like they're going to be okay. Nothing bad is going to happen. Mm-hmm cry with the baby, right? You can cry and sit there and just, sometimes we got to let it out. We try so hard to stay strong. And in that fight, we're not validating where we're really at, right? Absolutely. It's hard. Paranormal is hard. And how do you
1: do it when you have a really partner hard. who has a yeah. different style of dealing with crying or irritability or a baby that's just more high Mm -hmm. need or just needs to be on you. I mean, I had Mm -hmm. a, what I called Velcro baby. I was Mm -hmm. not, I was okay with that though. (laughs) You know, back then, somebody gave me a sling and said, Mm -hmm. put him in the sling. My, after a Mm -hmm. while, my pediatrician gave me permission to put him in your bed. I'm going to tell you how to do it safely. I'm going to tell you how to make it so he doesn't suffocate And he wants Mm -hmm. proximity. And that was just him. And he marched out of our bed when he was ready. But what happens if you have, uh, let me put it this way. How many times have we heard (laughs) that baby's never sleeping in our bed with us? And I always laugh to myself when I hear a couple say that baby's not Mm -hmm. sleeping with us. I'm like, okay.
2: (laughs) And if they do, they'll be in your bed till call. Right, right? exactly.
1: All all of those narratives, (laughs) I heard them all. And Mm -hmm. um, it was like self-preservation for me. And my pediatrician said, uh, "Put him in your bed." I said, "If not, we might be jumping off the roof together." (laughs) Right, right. So once that happened, that I was given validation, and okay, for me, in a very specific Mm -hmm. way with very specific instructions on how to do this safely, just three straight hours of sleep made me feel more normal. I thought, okay, you know, this is something I can. I can, this is probably going to work itself out, but what do we do when our partners are vehemently opposed to those early weeks of things we have to do for that kind of self-preservation?
2: Yeah. I think there's so many different ways and different methods to raise children and to get some peace of mind. And it's best if couples can to go into it, knowing that it, it, doesn't have to be and probably won't be black or white. Right. Right. There's not a right answer and a wrong answer. Right. Together, you have to find that shade of gray that works for you. And you have to I, – I sometimes have couples prioritize and rank uh, the importance of different topics. So, for instance, mm-hmm. if um, um, co-sleeping for one partner is like, hey, I got to survive. Doctor told me it was okay. I want to try this. And the other person's like, nope, I'm totally against it, not happening, Mm -hmm. right? When we shut down like that Mm -hmm. to hardcore no's, it it doesn't really work. We have to say, hey, like I get that you need some sleep. These are my reservations for not doing it this way. And again, not avoiding those hard conversations, but continuing to have them until you can find some shade of gray. Mm -hmm. And then also knowing... Also again, prioritize and ranking, saying this is really important to me because I don't know, culturally, right? Maybe a cultural thing. I I um had a um a mama, I'm trying to think where she was from, but culturally they always co-slept. Right. That was just such a normal uh, thing. And that that that's that's right. a that is yeah. a fair amount of the world. But her husband yeah. wasn't familiar with mm-hmm. that. So he was, you know, he had heard of SIDs and all these different things and more oh, yeah. scientific. So he's like, wait a second. Like, no, that's not a thing, right? So you find someone who you can both respect that can explain to you the different sides and perspectives, whether that's a therapist, whether that's a doula, whether that's a birthing nurse, right? Someone who can who can meet you both on on your level. Shana, you have three
1: kids, one after another, and a new baby. Those conversations come up, or did it just organically work itself out?
0: In the first episode, we were talking about, um, you know, planning um, to have a baby. My husband and I, we did not plan <laughs> to get pregnant with our first; it was very much a surprise. So we took my whole pregnancy to prepare, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the origin of my business name, Preparented, mm. because I we were reading books, we were watching videos, we were talking to people because we were young; we were twenty-two. Mm-hmm and um pregnant with our first baby surprise mm-hmm. and we knew like and still in school still in college um so we knew like okay we need to have a plan we need to be on the same page because i need to get through nursing school first of all and i need sleep like basically we had the same ranking of our values mm-hmm.
1: of- i love that the ranking of the
0: values nicole that's so great yeah and wow. um family time yeah so um i i want to say we actually wrote it down in a journal and like wrote out all of our values what's important to us and then um and then researched those things that were important to us so that we mm-hmm. were prepared and had a plan but with each kid it's changed so with our first she was our surprise baby and then with our next two we planned out those pregnancies, and um, and we're basically doing it the doing parenthood the way that we had parented our first child. Um, but um, we're also more flexible. I think, yeah. you know, noticing the differences in our kids and those yeah. maps and like oh my gosh, there's such different people and they need different things. And our mm-hmm. daughter is really good at this aspect of babyhood, right. <laughs> but, but our son is better at this aspect of babyhood. Um, not that a baby could be better, you know, it's just, you know, I know. It. I know what you're mean. It. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think the, I really like that love maps turn term and just mm-hmm. getting to know your kid and your baby. And now with our third, we're just really savoring it. I'm pretty sure this is our last baby and, um, and noticing like how different he is and just, but we just like gaze at his eyes, you know, and we're like, oh, he has blue eyes. Aww. Like, could you believe it? I have brown eyes, brown Aww. hair and my husband has brown hair, but like, <laughs> like grayish blue eyes and he's going to be my blue-eyed baby and i'm so That's in awesome. love
2: <laughs> Funny story on that my husband totally tricked me when we first met he was wearing blue contacts no. and i have blue eyes uh. and i'm like first night we met i'm like yes if we get married we'll have kids who have beautiful dark skin because he's persian and blue eyes i, I didn't it, question I the it. fact that a Persian had blue eyes but it's gonna happen <laughs> and then blue contacts so fun. <laughs> and no hope
1: for You're us stuck with it
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, discussing relationship changes, something to prepare for as best you can ahead of time, and then definitely uh, take into consideration afterwards is that effective communication, um, conflict management becomes quite difficult, right? And it goes back into lack of sleep, roles are changing, baby schedules changing, hormones, your body is changing. There are so many different things. Four horsemen of the apocalypse. Psychologist John Gottman has coined as the four things that we all do in relationships. But if you're doing these four things fairly often, then they tend to be the decline of a relationship. So it's really important to have awareness around these four things, especially going into parenthood, because they come up a lot. They come up a lot, especially right after you have kids. And that goes back into that two-thirds statistic where – why why mm-hmm. is it two-thirds that really struggle? And what's that one-third of couples and relationships doing where they're not struggling as much? And this is mm-hmm. one of the main things, is that one-third is aware or cognizant around these four things, the four horsemen. So the four horsemen of the apocalypse are criticism, mm-hmm. defensiveness, contempt, and stonewalling and those is parts- that nowadays that we call that like is that the same thing as gaslighting um somewhat so stonewalling is more like let's say you're trying to talk to your partner and they're just not engaging maybe they yeah. walk out of the room maybe they're you know not giving you eye te- eye contact technology is a big one right they're on their phone yeah. and go mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. do you hear anything right. I so said? they're like mm-hmm, ghosting mm-hmm. you in real life Yes, exactly. Ghosting in real life. Ghosting right in front of you. Yes, yes. Exactly. We should update that term. (laughs) Catch ourselves a little better. And one thing that I really try to encourage couples, if I catch them at the right time, is bringing humor into our lives, right? Not Hmm. taking life so seriously, especially with kids. And that, gosh, you guys, like with kids, it humbles us, Right. There's going to yeah. be poop on the wall and blowouts and, you know, some <laughs> weird things. So, <laughs> I took my kids <laughs> to preschool yesterday, and I picked them up, and their teacher's like, hey, Nicole, like, I just wanted to tell you something. There's a little treat for you in the in the bag. Uh, I'm like, oh, <clears throat> like my son, we're trying to potty train him. Did he have a poop? She's like, oh, no, no, no. She's like, one of your thongs got caught up in his blanket. <laughs> And it just kind of fell out, right? So there's all these things. There's all these these humblest. So bringing humor, right? Bringing humor and being able to say, like, you know, having – I have partners, like, come up with some words or some key terms to not nag or call each other out, but just say, like, hey, like, if you're, like, criticizing me a lot, like, have a term – I I have couples that have all range of terms and it's funny because a lot of them are like food related, but have some. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, have something that's going to kind of like bring you back to reality. My husband and I, for us, and we've changed our term over the years. Um, but I don't know if you've seen the show Imposters, so I don't want to like ruin it. But um, there's, there's oh like, yeah yeah okay. I know the show yeah. yeah. So our our phrase is "Don't worry, the doctor's gone." Oh, how funny. (laughs) And that's something that, like, if we're about to get into it, or if we feel like one person's kind of laying into the other a little bit, or going for the counterattack with that defensiveness, we say that term as, like, hey, like, this is getting a little, like, rough waters here. Let's, like, take a step back and maybe take a break and regroup here. (laughs) I love that. That's so so, good. Yes,
0: so great. Yes. I mean, we're talking about relationships. We're talking about, Mm -hmm. like, new parenthood. Where does intimacy and sex come into (laughs) all of this? And when can you be intimate with your partner when you're a new parent? Yes.
2: Yes. So... As you mentioned, Shana, that our first checkups aren't often until that six-week mark, and it's also usually at that mark that the doctor gives the uh, green light to be intimate again, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I will say that from experience with many uh, husbands and couples therapy postpartum, that they're waiting on pins and needles for that six-week mark, right? They're going into it, and they know it because I've talked to their buddies about it, right? It's like, we're going to get the green light, and I hope you're ready to go. And moms are terrified Mm -hmm. because emotionally, maybe they're not ready. Physically, they're maybe not ready, even though the doctor gives them the green light, Right. So around right. intimacy, around connection, it's another thing. It's so important to talk about it, right? To talk about our expectations, to talk about where we're at, to approach each other non-judgmentally, right? And to know again that we know we know our partners want to connect and there are other ways to connect, not that we never want to have sex again as moms, right? But to mm-hmm. not feel like there's pressure right. to do it because mm-hmm. pressure kills libido, just that alone. Right. Pressure and stress will yeah. kill libido that alone. So knowing that you can have the open communication and conversation, knowing that you want to reconnect in that way, but also giving, giving time to heal and giving time for things to get back to a new normal, right? Hormonal changes, if you're breastfeeding, that alone is going to reduce your libido. There's so many things. There's so right. many things. The tip and tool I give to my couples early on, and really, you can use this at any point in your relationship, is to rate your desire on a scale from one to ten because it is tough. It is always tough to be rejected, mm-hmm. right? And we internalize that it is. Oh, they love baby more. Oh, they don't think I'm sexy anymore. Oh, they're, I don't know, focus on anything else. It doesn't matter. Rejection sucks. Women and men don't want to flat out reject. So they dance around it. You know, good old I've got a headache tonight, or I'm just too tired. But we dance around it and we give off excuses. But our partners are smarter than mm-hmm. that. They know that it's not, you know, just that every single night. So it's being able to have these conversations but the number really helps so for instance if couples are at like if if my husband comes up to me and he says hey babe what's your number tonight it's a one but I love you so a one means like you, you you should really define the ear markers with your partner so you know but for me like a one means for whatever reason like it's pretty much a hard no tonight but either it's a rough day with my kids, I'm overstimulated by them hanging over me all day, it's been a stressful day and I haven't had enough time to decompress. Um, a one for whatever reason is is probably not gonna happen tonight. For me, a five could be like, hmm, maybe. I'm, I'm open not to sure. It. I'm open to it. <laughs> right. I'm open to let it. Let me
1: let me take a bath and think about it for Yes,
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's an opportunity for foreplay, right? It's like, I'm not sure. Am I open to being intimate? Sure. Am I open to having sex? I'm not sure. But being intimate, yes. And there's so many different definitions Mm -hmm. of that, right? But let's start with a bath. Let's start with a massage. Let's start with some emotional intimacy and let's see where it goes. 10 is I'm ripping my clothes off. I'm ready to go. (laughs) Right? Right? So that scale is really helpful postpartum to really evaluate where we're at without taking it like such a personal rejection if our partners just aren't there yet,
1: and isn't it also you have another person in their bassinet right. that also <laughs> dictates at how how much contemplation there's going to be around this conversation exactly right yeah it's funny I just fed her mm-hmm. or him mm-hmm. an hour ago which means I need to wait an hour, feed again, rethink this, or let's go for it.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Timing, 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 interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. But again, in terms of reframing, you can also use it to bring you back to the the good old days of when you're first dating. And, you know, we all like a little risk sometimes, not all, but, you know, sometimes the risk and the rush of the quickie (laughs) is nice. Um. So it's like okay. So we got Five minutes. Let's do it. Let's get it right. And it makes it right, feel right, like right. it brings a sense of passion back. But that's not for everybody. So again, you just have to communicate those things. I've had dads who are real and moms who are really nervous about having sex, like in front of the kid in the bassinet, sleeping in the bedroom. It just oh, only breaks them out. Um. <laughs> so all things to discuss with your partner. Definitely. Yeah. I wanted to bring up that um. I have a. I made
0: a postpartum plan that mm-hmm. um, i send sent to all my clients who take a birth class with me. I find, and I printed one out too, when I had my baby six months ago, nice. printed it out and filled it out. And it has things like, like the number for your OBGYN and lactation consultant all yeah. the way to like, when do we want visitors to come and what's my code right. word for when I'm too overwhelmed And when are we going – to and how are we going to connect as a couple? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think talking about those things way ahead of time before baby even comes, before that six-week appointment. um, Yeah. So you have that – I think that the buildup and, like, the expectation can make it exciting, too. If you know, like, okay, I think I will be ready at that six-week mark or maybe before – or after I mean Mm -hmm. whatever it is to have that Mm -hmm. build up and that lead up and you've already talked about it and how it's going to be different and um, you're going to go slow or use lots of lube or whatever it is but
2: (laughs) you talked about Mm -hmm. all the things yeah something I talk to couples a lot too is about scheduling sex once you have kids and I know that's something that like can make some people cringe right but if you think about it as like (laughs) Listen. I have to say that works. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Think about it. We schedule vacations, right? Yeah. We schedule everything. We schedule a trip to Hawaii. And just because we scheduled it doesn't mean we're any less excited about it. Right? Right. We look forward to it. We build anticipation. We buy new outfits, right? We buy a cute bathing suit. We get ready and we prepare. So scheduling sex after having kids doesn't have to be that bad. Like that anticipation, that buildup. Right, that can really actually add to the connection and the fun because you have more foreplay, you have more flirtiness, right? And if you don't, again, if you don't actually have sex or intercourse that night, it's okay. Like, don't focus so much on that outcome goal. We right. gotta shift, shift that.
0: That's awesome. Well, I love everything.
2: Really, that you
1: said. I, I love the idea of it. <laughs> Thank it's you. So great. <laughs> I think the message um, is being able to find a person, a therapist such as Mm -hmm. yourself Mm -hmm. to start off a relationship that you can check in with during your pregnancy and at Mm -hmm. the end of your pregnancy. Now that we all know how to use uh, these forums that Mm -hmm. we're using right now, right? Um, Just to have that person to check in with that professional sounds like such a great idea to me. I mean, I think we have support in everything else, but parents are left sort of dangling out there a lot of the time without somebody to talk to. That's great. Thank you so much. This was really interesting. I love it.
0: Thank you so much. Nicole. Thank you, Shana. Yeah. I just wanted to say, if you want to find Nicole online, she's on Instagram Mm -hmm. at Nicole Colleen coach. You can DM her. You can see the freebies that she has and where else can people find you or locate you, Nicole?
2: Also on Facebook, same, Nicole Colleen Coach. And then on YouTube as well, I have um, just started uploading some of my videos, and there will be more exclusive content on YouTube as well. Um, And that's at Nicole Colleen. Thank you again. My pleasure. Bye,
1: everybody.
2: Bye. Bye. Thank
0: you for listening to this episode of the Birth Nurses Podcast. If you enjoyed this, there are a few ways you can support us. First, you can share this podcast with your pregnant friends or new moms. Secondly, you can write a review and rate us on iTunes. And thirdly, we would love if you would check out our Instagram accounts and websites. I'm on Instagram as preparented and online www.preparented.com. And Liz is on Instagram as Birth Nurse Liz, and her website is birthandbeyond.net. Thanks for listening.